Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so pumped for this week's episode, something that Tiffany and I are deeply passionate about, but we wanted to follow up on a little something, something that happened this week that we were kind of like, oh my word. So I know we're not like a pop culture podcast, but it does come up every single week and it's very pertinent to the title of our show today, which is what we want our sons to know. And Tiffany and I are going to talk to you guys about how we're raising our sons, the things that we want them to know, the stuff that we hope to impart to them alongside our husbands that maybe we didn't see in the men we we grew up with, the people that we grew up with, and even some of the negative experiences we've had with men in this world. We would really love to raise our sons in a way that they honor and love and respect other people. And so we're following up two weeks ago. We talked about Jerry Falwell. We were having a good little giggle, but guys, he resigned officially from Liberty University. And while we don't know all the details, (laughs) we were just like, holy cow, this is the wildest week. It's been a wild couple of weeks politically. We've had the DNC last week, the RNC is this week. So there's a lot going on in our world. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like I can feel that political tension in the atmosphere. I've been very thankful to be off of Facebook while I finish my book. Smart girl. Um, girl. (laughs) Like, man, I picked a really good time to be off of this world. But yeah, so much stuff started surfacing about Jerry Falwell. And then he ultimately chose, after he'd already been put on administrative leave, but ultimately chose to submit his resignation. And I was, um, I was honestly very, very glad to see that. Not because I wish harm on anyone, but because it seems like he's done a lot of harm. And this is the first yeah. time he's been held accountable. And so I think that we can, um, we can be thankful for that. Whatever happened, whatever's going on with them, I think we can be thankful for people who get held accountable for things that really aren't acceptable, especially those who have influence over young people. Super important. <laughs> yeah, and especially those who claim Christian values and yeah. do not... We don't see that in their everyday life, whether it's videos or liking inappropriate content on Instagram Mm -hmm. or um, just clapbacks to pastors and spiritual Mm -hmm. leaders that are just, there's no place Mm -hmm. for them. And so as we talk about what we want our sons to know, hear us comment on culture and the male (laughs) role in our world. That's really what we're getting at. And I think, Mm -hmm. man, this is something that had been, kind of brewing in both of us. And we talk about this a lot off the air, but watching this week unfold and I was like, wow, we got to, we got to pull this around full circle. Yeah. Because when, when we raise entitled people and when a, a man in particular, and there's definitely research behind this, but when men have um, power and when men have yeah. um, especially a lot of money, their uh, ability to see themselves in a situation is impaired. In fact, research right. shows that men who, again, are well off and who have a position of power, they think that they're more attractive sexually than they are. Like there's proven <laughs> data. Yes, girl. I feature that in my upcoming book, Pray <laughs> Tell. I don't know so, why that tickled me. I mean, that okay. tickled me. I am tickled. I feel like you could have used a different <laughs> verb. But, but, there you go. 
<laughs> it makes perfect sense. I mean, when I look back on life, I'm like, that that obviously is so accurate, but for some reason that just tickled me pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, different verb choice would have been great there, but I, <laughs> um, but but isn't that wild though, Ashley? Like that Yeah. Our, the way we see ourselves is affected by what we have and choosing yeah. a position of humility, whether you're a man or a woman, is a choice. Yes. Yep. It's a habit. It's a practice. It's a rhythm. Yeah. Yep. And especially if you hold yourself to high morals and character, then that's something I think you really have to really have to fight for. Because again, the way you see yourself is skewed and you think people want your body and maybe they don't. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I I love what you keep mentioning, like when you're holding other people to a certain standard. And it's so true because on the Liberty campus, you know, my husband went to a Christian university, Baylor in Texas. And I mean, they literally could be kicked out for for drinking. Like even if you went on a vacation with your parents in another country where drinking was legal before 21, you could still be you know, in major trouble at our university for things like drinking or sexual misconduct, whatever they consider that to be. Um, Certain things are very, very, you know, not, they're very frowned upon and unencouraged. (laughs) So I think that to see, you know, this happen with Jerry Falwell, and there was a young man who came forward about having a sexual relationship with Falwell and his wife. And then Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that Falwell went to the Washington Examiner to give his statement basically which is appropriate Mm -hmm. and gave his statement but he put it all on his wife and you know we don't know the details obviously tiffany and i are not acquainted with these people we don't know them personally we cannot make any judgments about what's right or what's true here um you can deduce maybe what happened but we can't factually say like this is what went down but i was very saddened to see that that he didn't take any responsibility personally for any of this um for any of the reasons that he is submitting his resignation and i just thought it's another way that women um, suffer in our culture because very often we're asked to take the full responsibility. Scapegoat. Even if there was, yep, either a scapegoat or just taking responsibility for things that are not all the way ours. And that tends to happen in legalistic circles a lot too. And it dates back to the Bible days. Yes, it does. We've been seeing it forever. And so I'm saddened for the students of Liberty University. I know some of them were were hopeful that they could find new leadership or, or see repentance in leadership. So in that way, I'm celebrating that there will be changes. But I yeah. also am so sad for the students, and I'm so sad for the professors who are full of integrity, who really love Jesus and have a deep desire to um, to care for young people and to educate them. So there's a lot going on here. But gosh, you guys, what a world we're living in. And I also felt like, you know, unrelated to liberty, but for sure connected. It really does feel like God is dealing with the body of Christ in a really, yeah. in America, in a remarkable way. And I... I know it's hard because people are like, what is going on with the church and what's happening over here and court of public opinion and, you know, everybody's Mm -hmm. landing on all sides when it comes to this. But the other night as I was praying, I just thought like, God, I'm so glad that you're dealing with the church. I'm glad that you are holding us to integrity and biblical values and encouraging the church to rise up in justice and righteousness and encouraging you know, believers to ask questions. Like I feel like in some ways we're returning to critical thinking and returning to the capacity to care and connect with others in a, in a really remarkable way. So in spite of the pain of some of this stuff, I'm very, very 
much in hope and in awe of God as he leads the church forward. And it certainly isn't what any of us would have expected (laughs) for a year like this. It is not what anybody would have expected for faith communities right now. And, but at the same time, I really do think the end result of this is going to be greater levels of integrity, more hope, more light, more joy, more, more restoration, a, a better hospitable welcome from the community yeah. of believers. And I think that that needed to happen. It needed yeah. to happen for us to hold our arms open wider than they have been. There certainly is a reckoning, isn't there? Yes. And I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Ashley and I talked about how ridiculous it can be when there's no consequences, when mm-hmm. there's no consequences for people yep. who do dumb crap. Yep. And to see consequences, and again, I grieve for the Liberty community. Same. I know several people who've graduated there. I know Ashley, Same. I'm sure. Yep. Does yep. as well. Yep. And that's painful. That's hard. Yes, that's is. embarrassing. And, but at the same time, this reckoning isn't a bad thing. Yeah. It is, it is beautiful to see a refiner's fire and to see justice because mm-hmm. justice way, makes way for peace. Yes, and it does. so let it be so, let it be yeah. so. I love it. And in line with that, we thought it would be really great because, you know, we're raising sons, (laughs) Tiffany and I. And some of you out there may not be parents. We know so many different types of people listen to our podcast, or perhaps Mm -hmm. you don't have little kids anymore. Um, But we thought it would be great to just talk about the many ways that we have benefited from be having healthy men in our life and having people who are strong and courageous and bold and full of faith and generous and, you know, willing to sacrifice and how we're imparting those lessons to our sons who are looking to us to steward the direction that they'll be headed in when they leave our homes. And this is an important topic to us because, you know, raising young men in this world is no joke. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I had a lot of great men in my life, you know, growing up, but I still don't feel like, you know, I had all the greatest examples of what it means to father, you know, mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And so it's been beautiful to be in a relationship where that's possible, but also for yeah. me to stretch and grow and realize, you know, what young men need. Um, yeah. And I'm still learning that. I'll be learning that probably the rest of their lives. <laughs> but we wanted to share with you guys a couple of things that we're learning, a couple of things that we are imparting to them and the hopes that it would be a blessing to you. And also for those who don't have kids who may someday want them, or you might be single and thinking about this, like maybe this will help you think about what you want to look for in a partner or help you think about, you know, what kinds of perspectives might need a shift before you begin to engage in becoming a parent. So yeah, we hope this will be a blessing to everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is good old Mr. Rogers feelings oh, are mentionable and manageable. Yeah. He delivered that line <laughs> in front of Congress during a hearing talking mm-hmm. about uh, public television and its positive effect on children. And research mm-hmm. shows, especially for boys who again will one day become the men that walk our streets and make up half mm-hmm. of our society. They're mm-hmm. actually in need of more empathy and connection when they're little because girls are a little bit more wired that way Mm -hmm. and so while we think of like boys need to quote unquote toughen up or you know just rise to the occasion they often need more empathy as children because that's not something that they're already wired for in the same way that girls are Mm -hmm. and so it's beautiful to to have those feelings we actually one of the things 
that we practice in our home, and this is not something that my husband and I grew up with at all. So we are we are no experts. We are learning this as we go. But we have a feelings chart. Like it's categorized. I Sometimes Jericho that. will go to the chart and it's like I'm feeling perplexed, or I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling disorganized, or I'm feeling you know. And so we have this chart, and it's based off of the Inside Out characters, and it has like six or seven <laughs> words around each character. And so and my my youngin can even go and point to the face of like that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. And then we talk about why and um really identifying the feeling before everything. And I think in a culture that um you know really it's it's just it's it's troubling. It really is troubling. A culture that really um, mocks men for feeling they're considered to be effeminate yeah. or they're considered to be soft yes. or they're considered to be girly or they're not considered to be macho or masculine because they might want to talk or talk things out or work through right. their feelings and and you know what's the worst part about this ashley is that when uh let's say they grew up in a home where that was welcome yeah right. Yep. When they go into the workspace, right. even other women think they're weak because they talk. Isn't that crazy? Mm. That data shows that it, even other women, so not do only men think that they're like weak men because they can talk through their feelings and identify their emotions rather than letting them show up in other ways in their body and anger or, or actions that, that because they had unresolved emotions. Sorry, y'all. I'm going straight for the jugular. Um, <laughs> but, but I just, I'm like, man, what, what a culture shift we can bring. Yeah. When we can first identify within ourselves that which is not okay or that which is okay and be yeah. able to process. And I think that um, in the self-care movement, not the dollar sign self-care movement, but the <laughs> self-care movement of like mental health and right. addressing your needs and, and, and you know, identifying where your body holds pain and emotion. Right. Um a lot of that messaging has been to women and really there's room yes, for all true. of us men and women to experience that and that really starts at a young age yes i really love this and thank you for sharing about the feelings chart every day for my um, son's remote school learning he has to take attendance for himself so his teacher filled out like this really great uh, google uh, survey basically and every day he puts his name in he checks himself in and then she has a list of eight faces um, I'm feeling silly I'm feeling sad I'm feeling wow. sleepy and so she he has to actually in the morning check in with himself mark which one he's feeling and then she leaves a little box in case there's anything that he would like to share with her and so I've seen the difference that that makes in him it kind of sets his tone and most days he's just like I'm feeling silly because just the the thought of sitting at a computer for him as a six-year-old right now is so big time so <laughs> but I really love that thought of in the first wow. thing in the morning you know he's able to kind of check in so that I'm new to this but I really love that idea of keeping a chart in the house and I was just chatting with a friend today who's um, in the middle of a bunch of transitions and obviously if you've been listening to why though for a while you know that my family and I have moved five times in the last four years which is a and twice cross country and so I think for us you know um, feelings are a really big deal yeah. I read a wonderful book called whole brain child and I would recommend oh, it to yes. anyone I mean it is honestly I found so much healing in that book just because mm. it was teaching about how to integrate the different parts of the brain and if kids tend to lean or people tend to lean more towards the logical analytical side or more towards the 
feeling kind of discernment atmosphere side, it kind of helps you integrate those two things and describes what kids might need. So kids who, for example, might just throw a fit all the time, how to be present for their feelings, but also help them engage the analytical side of their brain and vice versa. If they're always analytical, how do you stay present for them, but then also help them engage to those deeper emotions that they're trying to avoid. So one of the things that we've learned to do is ask questions. So um, when my son was 18 months old and we moved to Manhattan, he didn't have, he had a lot of words, but he didn't have the capacity to talk about what he might be missing or how hard it might feel for him or what it was like to go from having a home with a yard to having a small apartment. And so we would kind of help him fill in the blanks. And we've done this with our, our youngest son now, who's three, but same thing. We'd be like, oh my gosh, remember when we had our yard? Do you remember our swing set? What do you think about that? Do you miss it? What about these people? What about auntie so-and-so? Did you miss this or miss that? And then we would start dialoguing about that so that there's a place for them to express. And through that dialogue, they're learning how to process things that are hard. And even if some of the things we suggest are not resonating with them, we'll hit something that does. And then we can kind of land the plane there. Like, oh, Mm. our son, Lucas, when we moved back to Los Angeles, he so desperately missed our Manhattan apartment. And he missed being able to drive his little dump truck down the wooden floors and the tile in the hallways. And he, he really missed it. So he would talk about it, how he wanted to go back to our New York apartment. And when we would ask more questions and talk about what he missed, it seemed to really calm him and help him process his feelings and help him process the things that felt hard. So I think sometimes with kids, you have to give them words. You're not trying to force feed them anything or make them feel something they don't feel, but you are trying to help them tap into the deeper things that could be causing behavioral outbursts or tap Mm -hmm. into different things that could make them feel stressed or (laughs) suddenly they're like on the ground screaming about something or they're throwing a toy at somebody's head and you realize, wait a minute, there's something underneath this. So yeah, that was actually one of my things to share too, Tiffany, different, but similar. When when kids go through transitions, they don't have the tools to process the way that we do as adults. And obviously as adults, many times we don't go through transition well. So think how much more for our children, (laughs) they need help processing. And so that's a big deal for us too. I love that you said making space to have the conversation. I just, I want to camp on that for a second because I think that we, and as you just said, it's a perfect segue. It really does stunt growth. So then we're sending out these men into the world who are emotionally stunted in their relationships. You know, if there are stressors in their lives, they haven't made space to process that. So it may come out in behavioral ways. It may come out in relationships. It may come out at work. It may come out in how they relate to people and their, or, or just poor behavior, um, you know, you know, even just really swinging the pendulum from children having behavioral outbursts to the full, full, full other side of this. Uh, a few weeks ago, Ashley and I were talking about, you know, the majority of gun violence and gun death is mm. men taking their lives with their guns. 100%. And, and so, white men specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So just seeing how an inability to process, an inability yeah. to process pain and make space for pain, yes. it, it, it robs everyone. But I really yeah. think this is a... This is an epidemic among men that that can be addressed, yeah. and if and if you have men in your life, whether they're your sons or not, I think that there's room to make space for men that you have a, a vulnerable, mm-hmm. trustworthy relationship with. Um, because you know what, it's hard to explore hard feelings. It just is. It is. And it I is. love that you said that you even gave examples like, "Do you miss so and so?" or "Did you miss yeah. your trucks on the long hallway?" Like. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Just to feel seen. So that's yes. also building that those neural pathways of connection, you know? Right. Like I feel seen and known because you're hearing me, which is all all of us. That's the human spirit. We all yeah. want to feel seen and known. So 
So I really beautiful. love that, Tiffany. So good. And that's something else with, with Cody, my husband. Um, you know, it's he, he does not understand like how stressed he is until it hits his body. He would not mind me sharing mm. that public publicly, by the way. But when he starts complaining of headaches or he'll get an ulcer or just different things like that, then we then we know like, oh, we need to unpack stress. Like what's really right. going on here? What's underneath that? And we'll be able to ask each other lots of questions and he'll be able to identify like kind of what's pressing on him. But until it hits his body, he doesn't always recognize the stress that he's under. And so I think that with the people in our lives, whether it's, you know, partners or it's children or it's friends, like we mm-hmm. have these kind of telltale signs, you know, some maybe yes. one of your friends just begins to isolate in a way that you feel like, huh, there must be more to this because I actually haven't even heard from them in two weeks or when they do show up, they're barely here. Like what are the telltale signs for the people that we love and how can we engage with that? How can we ask questions and how can we be an insightful presence and someone who can help people connect dots? Because that's really what it is. You realize, oh, look at all you just walked through and you can help them connect dots and deal with stress and manage those very difficult feelings that maybe they're not even trying to avoid, but they are. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> like we all need oh, help. So we good. really we all need, need to see each other. <laughs> because it's too easy to self-medicate, right? Yes, Drink, totally. porn, um, right. you know, multiple yes. relationships, all the things that can come and, and feel like they'll ease the pain for a hot minute, just yes. like we all would. Um, I think it's especially beautiful when we can give men, and in our case, sons and yeah. our husbands and whoever's in our world, permission to process. Um, switching gears, one of the things that I heard recently, Ashley, and you will love this, was, and, and I it was talking about a romantic relationship and partnership, but I thought of it more as something I want to pass on to my sons and something I want them to know is partnership over patriarchy. Come whether on. you're working on a group project with a girl, Beautiful. whether you're, um, you know, dating someday, whether you're in the office as an adult, it, that starts now. That understanding yeah. of women is equal, and we yeah. men do not get to speak over them or have ownership over their body or anything like that. Yeah, but that that starts in the here and now. That doesn't start like when we're talking birds and the bees, right? Because it's yeah. not inherently sexual. It is it is part of God's design that we would yeah. be partners. And so uh, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, that's so good. And I know it was in the romantic context, but I was like, in my parenting, that that is, I can't think of a better way to, to impress that upon them and just mm-hmm. letting them see that um, in the here and now. Gosh, you and Derek do such a beautiful job of that in the first place. Just modeling it, it is like what your children are steeped in. And it reminds me of the book um, that one of my mentors wrote, Danielle Strickland, and it's called Better Together. And she has an entire chapter where she takes apart the Billy Graham rule. And to preface this, she is a massive fan of Billy Graham, like huge. So she loves him, like adores him. So it, it isn't bashing him. But Billy Graham had a rule that basically he could never, ever be alone with women. And she talked about how that's still playing out modern day in many cultures and how that hinders women from growth and leadership. So why I love how that's connected to what you just shared is I really do believe that many times in work environments, women are hindered um, because of the way things are set up or it could potentially look like a boys club without, Mm -hmm. you know, being even maybe unintentionally, but women are able, unable to excel or unable to kind of run at the same pace as men um, as appropriate, 
you know, as it is for them to do that. So I really love modeling that for sons as well. Mm-hmm. And along that same lines, consent is a really big thing for us in our yeah. household. It's huge. And I think as a person who has been a survivor of sexual assault, you know, this is massive for me um, and my children. So we have like household things where like if our children tell us to stop tickling, we stop immediately. It's like, stop that. I don't want anymore. We stop immediately. We don't keep doing yeah. it. We don't keep teasing them. If they're having a hard time or we're laughing about something and they asked us to stop, we honor it. We we listen to what they say and we honor it because they are little kids, but they're a whole person. And we yep. really want them to understand consent. And same thing when we're out playing with other children, we make sure that our children, if they are, you know, kind of like teasing someone or, you know, um, don't want to stop like running down the slide on top of them or whatever it might be, we make sure that we take a moment, we stop and we pause and we say, hey, this person said no, no means no. Let's talk about that. Yeah. They put up a boundary. We want to honor their boundaries. They said they don't like this. We're not going to do it again. And we intentionally have those conversations with our children regularly because we really want them to have a firm understanding of consent. And with um, Levi, when he started school, we also did this with nonverbal cues. So sometimes he wouldn't notice if like a little girl, a little boy in his class would kind of be turning away or shying away, but they were unable to use their words. So then we would help our son understand her nonverbal cue or his nonverbal cue is saying that they don't like that, that they right. are not interested in engaging in play that way. So let's let's back off a little bit. Let's give them some space. And we were helping them identify not just verbal cues, but nonverbal as well. Because I think this plays into the issue of consent because no one is teaching people how to read nonverbal cues and people can really be telling you no (laughs) not just with their words but with their whole person and we want our kids to really understand that so consent is a really big thing that we're trying to teach our our young men in this world I think especially sexualized also (laughs) it is such a value for girls to be quote-unquote nice yes that totally reading nonverbal is so stinking important because they uh, you know a gal on a date might not say no, but she'll be like, oh, I'm really tired. I don't want to go out for ice cream. You know, yeah. like, oh, that's a no. You know, that's yes. a no. That's but exactly that starts right. young, just like you're saying in a classroom yeah. of like, hey, they don't want a rough house or hey, they don't want to have a conversation right now mm-hmm. or, you know, bringing it down to the micro level and making it real. And I love that you said that you have these conversations all the time mm-hmm. because it matters. And it's us mm-hmm. respecting God's image bearers. It is us That's right. uh, teaching our young men to respect everyone as equal. You are no better, but be your best. Yes. You are no better than anyone yes. else, but we encourage you to be your best. Um, exactly it's necessary. Right. Yes. Uh, another one I have, and these two can just go together, but it's teaching my children to worship and pray. And alongside that is the value of a faith community. So every night we spend some time praying together and worshiping together. So we have like three short songs that we go through together, two hymns and like one song that our youngest loves. And we pray, we pray for our family. I ask the kids, is there anybody specific you want to pray for? We ask them if they want to pray. And then throughout the day, we're listening to different worship songs. They see us worship in the house and in the car. And when things are hard, they'll see us pray or see us worship. And that's huge for us. And then valuing a faith community, because we really want our kids to understand that we are a part of something bigger. And, you know, whether or not they immediately adopt our Christian faith, we still want to show them that spirituality is a really big deal for us and that helps us navigate things in life that we don't understand, whether it's a loss or a death in our family 
or whether we have experienced, you know, something that doesn't really make sense, that we have a higher presence that gives us hope and that gives us something to lean into and a family of believers that we don't just rely on each other, although that's wonderful, but we have a community that we're a part of. And that for us is really important to, to demonstrate our to our children and to teach them as well. That's beautiful. Uh, one other thing comes to mind for me as well is just knowing that your actions have consequences yeah. for the good and for the bad. So when you make a decision, think about everyone impacted. Is it good for them too? Mm-hmm. Is it good for just you or is it good for everyone? Yeah. If you're going to take the last of something, you know, one day when they're talking about voting, does this just affect you or does this affect everyone? Does That's everyone it. receive equality or goodness yeah. or peace? I think that... Um, I think especially when we're dealing with things with kids like, you know, catching them in a lie or, you know, catching Mm -hmm. them doing whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. Understanding that, wow, everything you do, all the decisions you make, they they don't affect just you. We'd love to think Mm -hmm. that, but we don't live in a vacuum. So think about all the people. So just really trying to um, start living compassionately and thinking Mm -hmm. about other people as soon as we can because kids are so egocentric and so to build in those opportunities to realize wow there are so many people affected by my choices um it's valuable it is valuable because the last thing we need is men who think the world revolves around them and their needs yes 100 (laughs) percent. that it was on mine you just said it so much better but i totally have that on my list about compassion kindness and respect And those are things that we're teaching, but it's exactly, it's for those reasons. It's because we are part of something bigger. We are part of the human experience. We have a role to play, a part to play. We are not the center stage of the whole planet. And we want our kids to know that and practice that. And you're right at this, at the young age that we're raising, they really are very egocentric and their world really does revolve around them. So a lot of that is just retraining, reteaching, repeating Mm -hmm. all the time, the same things again and again and again, until it starts to land home. And one more thing I have on my list, Tiff, is just that um, my kids are just a tiny bit too little for this, but we're still trying to introduce it in small ways, is cultivating their gifts and the way they use their bodies. So cultivating, we noticed that Lucas from a very little age had a real uh, creative gift. I mean, he could sit down and, and do art at a very young age, even at the age of two, he could draw like perfect circles and he could draw trucks and, you know, and now it's same thing. He just loves to draw and he loves to create and he loves to paint and his mouth like (laughs) moves while he does it. And he's super creative. He's also extremely athletic. Like he's very in his body. He loves to run. He loves to jump. He's very agile, um, flexible. Like he's, he's a, yeah, I think he, he has the potential to be a, a real athlete. And then with Levi, you know, he could build Legos at a very young age. I mean, he was already, he was out of Duplo's at like 18 months and building in the small Legos. (laughs) um, So it's just like, oh, this is a thing for him. Like he really loves it. And he's a a great verbal communicator and he loves to read. And so those were the gifts that were like, oh, okay, we can identify these from a very young age and create opportunities for them to exercise them. Levi is not as coordinated, but he loves to dance and he loves to sing. So just turning on the TV, letting him sing and dance, giving him a hat, letting him wear a costume. Like these are are ways that we want to cultivate their gifts because I, I said this earlier, but they're a whole person, you know, our children yeah, are whole people. They're not like, they're not many people who are about to come big people. It's like, no, you are an actual person <laughs> right now. And you right. have gifts and you have talents that the father in heaven put inside of you that are beautiful and wonderful and just want to see those things come alive in the world. So creating lots of opportunity for that is super important to us. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And just, and praising the creativity. I think it's yes. so easy. And you know, the, all the parenting books that have now shown that maybe it wasn't such a good idea that came out in the nineties of like, tell your child they're smart, tell the, your child they're yeah. brilliant. And now they're like, actually don't do that. Tell right. them that they're hardworking. Tell them that they're yeah. creative. Comment. Oh, I like how you picked the blue and put it next to the red and comment yes. on their choices and their ethic and praise them for who they're becoming as they really spread those wings of creativity mm-hmm. and athleticism and all of those things. I love that. You mm-hmm. do such a good job at that. Y'all, her kids Thank are you. something special. I tell you what, it is not even, <laughs> it is too much. It is too much. You got to go go on the gram and catch some of those baby smiles because they will fill your cup when the world is burning to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yours too. They're brilliant. <laughs> oh, we, got, we got some smiles for days around here. Yes. Well, why though, listeners, we love you. We are so uh-huh. here for you. Thank you for all the reviews and shares. Keep it up. We are so blessed. Yeah. We love you. We are in yes. this with you. We got a lot of 2020 left to live and we'll be right by your side. Yep. We'll see you next week, you guys. See you then. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.